We are next Sunday beginning the book of 1 John. Through the summer, we're going to go through the epistles of John. Uh, excited to be getting back into a book study. What we were doing now in the Rise and Shine has been a little bit different over these last few months, um, but we're excited to get into 1 John. And so, as we've often done with the book study series, we make available these ESV journals. And so what that is, is the, just the text of, of the book, the uh, text of 1st, 2nd, and 3rd John, and then a blank page, a blank line page next to it. It's great for whether you're using it for your sermon notes or your devotional study during the week, um, but just a good opportunity for you to journal as we're studying through 1st John together starting next Sunday. The word fellowship. It's got a lot of different meanings gathering together, hanging out together. Sometimes with Christians, fellowships is synonymous with food, and there's some kind of event gathering around food in some way. The word in the New Testament that's translated fellowship is really much richer than that. It has the idea of a community, of, of sharing together, someone you, you even travel with. The, the, the Greek word goes back in its, it, its roots to, to a traveling companion, someone you shared life with, participating together a relationship that runs far deeper than just the sort of informal maybe greetings that we might give to an acquaintance, but there's actually a relationship that's established there. And in fact, one of the words we're going to see used for fellowship this morning is partnership. Paul does this in Philippians chapter 1, if you'd like to turn there, Philippians chapter 1, where he uses partnership, fellowship, to describe this relationship that he has with the believers in Philippi. We know from the birth of the church in Acts chapter 2 that the early believers, it says, were devoted to fellowship. They prayed together. They shared meals together. They listened to the teaching of the word together. They even, in some cases, sold possessions and shared belongings with one another. They did life together as a community. This morning, as Bob mentioned, we are finishing the Arise and Shine sermon series. It began back six weeks ago with Isaiah 60 verse 1. Arise, shine, for your light has come, and the glory of the Lord has risen upon you. We have reflected on the reality of God's glory poured out in his local church here in Lorton, of his grace to us, and, and then responding by displaying that glory and that grace to those around us. And that's what we're striving to do here, to be lights that shine in the darkness, that reflect the glory of our King. And the elder team made Isaiah 60, verse 1, the foundation for a vision of a, a future building, a future that we've put before you of, of building on the site behind me, on the land just behind me, of constructing a, a facility there. I, I noticed this in the first service. I went on talking and everybody was kind of trying to figure out the pictures. And so let me take a second and just do this so that I don't distract you. So the, the, the drawings from the architect would show a new worship center right behind me, and that's what you're seeing on the top left. And then the drawing on the bottom right shows just the outline of that new worship center, but it shows this now becoming a, a two-story room so that there would be classrooms, both upstairs and below. So that's the idea is it's two phases, new building, and then work in here. So that'll allow you to understand what you're looking at there. The goal is to strive to meet growth, to, to meet the opportunities that God is giving us, uh, both on Sunday mornings and then Monday through Friday at Lagos Academy, where we are seeing God provide and continue to bring people. And you all know construction in this area is expensive, and that's why we're trying to raise commitments for $2.5 million over the next 36 months. It is a big ask. And, and what we've tried to do over these six weeks is to express to you both the urgency of why now, why we think this is an important vision 
to consider not just for this moment, but for the future, for the next generation that comes after us, but also to try to remind you of the history of, of God's providence in planting a church here in Lorton and what he has done to sustain this church as both a, a place of refuge for believers and equipping for believers, but also a light that shines into the community and that prayerfully has an impact beyond our community. And so to do this, we know it's a work of God that has to happen, but to do this also takes a cooperative effort on the part of his people. And that's what Paul's writing about in Philippians chapter one. We're gonna look at verses one through six this morning, where it describes this fellowship, this partnership, this joining together of God's people, and how that partnership is bookended by both praise and promise. And we'll see all three of those, partnership, praise, and promise. Let me read the first two verses just to get us started on the opening of, of, of Paul's letter here. He says, Paul and Timothy, servants of Christ Jesus, to all the saints in Christ Jesus who are at Philippi, with the overseers and deacons. Grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. There's much just in these first couple of verses that we could talk about, but in a general sense, it's a, it's a typical salutation from the first century. The writer of the letter identifying himself, in this case, Paul says he and Timothy are the senders of this letter as servants of Jesus Christ. You'll notice he's not using his apostle title here, and that speaks to his close relationship with the Philippians. There's not the need um, to sort of express any kind of authority of any sense. Uh, there's really not correction in Philippians. It is just a wonderful letter of exhortation, but he identifies himself in Timothy and says, this is to the saints in Christ Jesus who are at Philippi. And then in that next statement sort of gives us the, the framework for how we look at the New Testament church in terms of offices, elders and, and deacons. Um, Philippi is, is where this is written to, the saints who are at Philippi. I know you can't read the, all the places on that map, but I'll tell you, Philippi is the northernmost point here on the top of the Aegean Sea. Uh, this is just a, some of Paul's travels. If you go down to the bottom left to the southwest, you're down in Corinth, where we looked at just a couple of weeks ago, and we'll refer to again this morning when he writes to the Corinthians. If you go down to the southeast, toward the bottom right, you get to Ephesus, another city that's central to, to Paul's ministry. But you see Philippi there as, as a city in what would be modern-day Greece, as would, would Corinth would be in modern-day Greece. Philippi was not a big city, but it was located on a travel route. It was located on a trade route. It wasn't a port city, but it was within 10 miles of a port. And so all of that made it important as a place where preaching the gospel allowed for spread of the gospel. If you preach along a city on a trade route, you have people coming and going. And, and this is not our day where everything is spread by the internet. In that day, it was the word of mouth and the, the, the written word. And so you'd want to be on a place that was kind of central to people's travel. The other thing about Philippi that was important is it had already for a century been a Roman colony, an established supporter of the Roman Empire. We speak of the Roman Empire and think of everything as part of a colony of Rome, but Philippi had a unique place set out by the Roman Empire, but that would have meant that it was um, focused on emperor worship, that one of the things that would have been carried on in Philippi was the worship of the emperor. And so it's a significant city, both for its location but also because Paul's bringing the gospel to a place that is dark, that is spiritually dead, and that is in need of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And so we know that when Paul preached there, he was with Silas, and it wasn't long after they began to preach that they experienced persecution. 
organized, sanctioned persecution from the, the governing authorities of the town. And he was beaten, Paul and Silas, and they were thrown into prison. You know the story from Acts chapter 16 of how they are miraculously delivered from the, the prison there. But it also says in Acts 16, 40, that before Paul and Silas left Philippi, that they met with those who had become brothers and sisters in Christ. And so an early church is formed amongst a handful of believers in Philippi where the proclamation of the gospel has gone out, and now Paul and Silas are going to leave that behind. That helps us understand something about the Philippian church, and that is they are, they are born within the seeds of persecution. They, their founder, if you will, obviously it's God's work, but he uses Paul and Silas, is persecuted, beaten, and arrested on account of proclaiming the gospel of Jesus Christ and so we already have a sense that if you're going to be a follower of Jesus Christ in Philippi, it won't be easy. There will immediately be opposition and hatred and persecution. And so that's some of, we saw this and we'll talk about it again from his letter to the Corinthians when he references the people in Philippi. But it just reminds us again of they are coming out of very difficult circumstances. Coming to faith in Christ is not an easy sort of follow in that day. And the body of believers would expect to experience persecution. And yet, based on the, the book of Philippians, we see this church that is intimately drawn to Christ, that loves Jesus Christ, and is also deeply committed to the Apostle Paul. Again, some of the letters, particularly the letters to the Corinthians, we see some of the, the division that came in after Paul left in opposition. Philippi is just the opposite. These are people who are devoted to the ministry that Paul is carrying on, so much so that even when he is in prison, as he writes this letter, uh, even facing the possibility of execution, the, the believers in Philippi are still looking for ways that they can serve Paul, that they can send resources to help Paul so that he can continue to proclaim the gospel from prison and be sustained there. And we'll see that as we read on. But that's the opening salutation. Verse 2 is, is kind of a standard reading, and yet it's, it's rich in terms of him wishing for them to experience the grace of God and the peace of that only God can give for people who are in difficult circumstances. May you know God's grace and may you experience his peace. Let me read on. We'll focus particularly on verses three through six. I thank my God in all my remembrance of you always in every prayer of mine for you all, making my prayer with joy because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now. And I am sure of this that he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion at the day of Jesus Christ. Verse five is kind of the center, your partnership in the gospel. But what precedes that is praise. And what follows that, what bookends that is his promise to them in verse six. So praise, partnership, promise. He starts with praise. The premise is, this is all of God that what I'm about to say and how I am going to commend you and how I am going to speak of my joy for you, it all ultimately goes back to the king. I am thanking God so that whenever you come to mind, I rejoice and thank him. I joyfully thank God. So any benefit that I derive from our relationship, any kindness that you've done, anything that I, when I think of you, Philippians, and I think of God's good work, it reminds me to joyfully thank him for what he's doing through you and in you and how he is caring for me. And so it is not something I'm required to do. I'm not praying out of obligation. It's just that when you come to mind, 
my heart is filled with joy and thanksgiving to God for all that he's done through you. Now we'll get to what he gives thanks for in a moment, but I think it's important just to see from the start, Paul understands that this relationship, all that he enjoys, all that he derives from it is due to God. It is God's grace being poured out through the Philippians. And so gratitude to God is first and foremost in this. Whatever is commendable about the Philippians or their faith is not because they are unusually good people. It is because there is a great God who has poured his grace out on them and made them that way. And I think that's a good point for us to stop and go, do we see that in our own lives? Do we do we pause to recognize God's goodness and provision in our lives, the things that he does to transform us and change us and the people that he brings in our lives? This is Paul saying, I am thanking God for you and your partnership with me. Who, who are the people in, in your life that, that God brings them to mind and, and it just reminds you to joyfully thank him for how God has used that person in your life, how he has shaped you in some way through that person. Thank God with joy for that one. And that's, and that's the nature, really, what he's describing here is the nature of life in the local church. It, it is the, the bringing together of partnership, of community, of, of, of fellowship, of believers working together. It's, it, when, when Paul writes to the Corinthians in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, he's writing to a body of believers who are doing the opposite of the Philippians. They are, they are pulling apart the fabric of the church. They're dividing over all sorts of petty things. And so he, he gives to them the illustration of the human body. And he says in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, don't you understand, you are a body. And so the eye does not look at the hand and say, I have no need of you, but rather all of the parts of the body are, are vital for the function of the body. Go through some kind of pain, back pain or neck pain or some kind of pain in your body and you understand how the smallest part of your body can impact the, the whole rest of the body, the whole rest of your day. And he's describing here, you are a community, you fellowship together, you are partnered together and so different gifting, different experiences, different backgrounds, all of that is orchestrated by God. And, and, and that's why one of the things you, you've heard repeatedly as we've talked through this whole building campaign is it's not about equal giving, it's about equal sacrifice because we're prospered at different levels, we're at different stations in life, we're under different circumstances, um, we're, we're all at different places. And so what that looks like in terms of sacrifice may be different for everybody, but it is partnering together in that. It is partnering together in that ministry of, of generosity, of sacrifice. Um, all of the members sharing together. Because in the end, we know, going back to why he's praising in the first place, this is all of God. This is all his good work. And so our rejoicing together this morning is because of the privilege we have from what he has done. So he thanks God for them. And then in verse 5, he speaks of what he is thankful in particular for because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now. It wasn't simply that they were his friends. It wasn't simply that together they were all sort of for the gospel. What he's saying is we have a partnership, a fellowship in the gospel. We as brothers and sisters in Christ share something that is entirely unique as far as the world is concerned. We share in something that bonds us together, that roots us together in a way that is inexplicable to the world. 
think about it. it when, as you, if you've been attending Grace Bible Church for any length of time, there could be a host of different preference issues that could enter into your decision to say, this is the, the church that I choose to attend. It could be the location. The location is convenient. It could be the music. I, I enjoy the, the style of music. It could be after time, I've got friendships here. I've built relationships with people. It could be that the preaching style is suitable to your liking. All, all of those different preferences are, are important, but at the core of it, what roots us together in partnership is the gospel of Jesus Christ is the fact that we recognize that we are sinners who are separated from God and can only be brought to that God because of what his son Jesus Christ has done, because he died on the cross for our sin and rose again to conquer the power of sin and death and now gives life and forgiveness. And so Paul's saying, we have this partnership in the gospel. We are partners together for Christ's gospel. We, we worship God because of the gospel. We dwell on the gospel. We pray about the spread of the gospel. We desire to see other lives affected by the gospel and, and changed by the gospel so that they might find the peace and forgiveness that God has given to us. Friends, if you take one thing away from this morning, may it be simply, again, this emphasis on the fact that individual believers are called in the New Testament to be rooted together in the gospel, called to come together and not try to lone ranger it, but rather to, to do life in community, to do life together as believers. God intend, intends that we, we testify together about his goodness and his gospel and what it's done. He intends that we marvel together at his grace and in our worship. He intends that we pray together for the work of the gospel to continue to be advanced. 1 Corinthians 12 is that metaphor of the, the body, the unified community. It's interesting if you go back in 1 Corinthians, and again, this is sort of the, the opposite of what's happening in Philippi, is the division in Corinth. And one of the things in 1 Corinthians 3 that he talks about there is they are divided all the way down to the point of loyalties to teachers. I, I'm loyal to this teacher. I favor this teacher. I, I'm not so much a fan of this teacher. And so there's these loyalties. And, and, and Paul writes, and he says in 1 Corinthians chapter 3, don't you see that I'm an apostle of Jesus Christ? And Apollos, he's a, he's a preacher of the gospel of Jesus Christ. But we are just servants of Jesus Christ. We, like you, are brought together as servants to obey Jesus Christ and to do his will. And so we together come as a corporate community in service. And so he says in 1 Corinthians 3, I planted, Apollos watered, but God gave the growth. So neither he who plants nor he who waters is anything, but only God who gives the growth. He who plants and he who waters are one. Each will receive his wages according to his labor, for we are God's fellow workers. You are God's field, God's building. You, you sort of feel Paul just heaping up synonyms here to try to communicate the idea that we are not just individuals doing our own thing, but rather that we are individuals who are wonderfully arranged in all of our various ways of serving and combined into this body, this building, this fellowship, this field, as he uses these terms here. Uh, whichever, whichever one of those illustrations you use, body, building, field, you don't have it without all of the parts brought together. 
You don't have a building if all you have is a pile of roof shingles or a pile of windows or a pile of doors. You've got some hardware, but you don't have a building. You don't have a field if somebody's not watering and tending to that field and doing what's necessary to grow things in that field, the seed and the fertilizer and all that's involved in that. And so he's stressing the partnership that we have. And here in Philippians, the believers were partners in the gospel. The central focus was, how do we do the gospel? How do we spread the gospel? How do we proclaim the gospel? How do we help Paul in terms of preaching the gospel? How do we partner with him in that way to ensure the advance of the gospel? Now, here's, here's what I alluded to before. If you remember back a couple of weeks ago, we talked about 2 Corinthians 8 and 9. And, and, and remember, if you will, Paul is chiding the believers in Corinth who had started a collection for an offering that Paul was going to bring to those who were impoverished in Jerusalem. And they had started and then they stopped. They got interrupted by false teachers and division and all of the problems in Corinth. And so Paul came to them and he was like, why have you stopped? And then he gives them an example. Let me read again from 2 Corinthians 8, verse one. We want you to know, brothers, about the grace of God that has been given among the churches of Macedonia. Where's Philippi? It's in Macedonia. For in a severe test of affliction, their abundance of joy and their extreme poverty have overflowed in a wealth of generosity on their part. For they gave according to their means, as I can testify, and beyond their means of their own accord, begging us earnestly for the favor of taking part in the relief of the saints, and this not as we expected, but they gave themselves first to the Lord and then by the will of God to us. The brothers and sisters in Macedonia that Paul cited as an, an example to the Corinthians down in Achaia were the Philippians and other churches in that area. And he's saying to them, the saints there who have suffered and who have been in abject poverty and who have experienced persecution are joyfully sacrificing as partners in the gospel. The, the people in Philippi gave in proportion to how God provided for them, and then they went beyond that. And that he's describing for us is one of the ways when he speaks of the Philippians' partnership in the gospel, that's one of the things he's talking about. He, he writes this from prison, and when you get to chapter 4 of Philippians, passage where we know a number of the verses there where he speaks about um, giving thanks in all things and he speaks about contentment. Paul is saying in Philippians 4, I've learned by God's grace that in any circumstance in life, I can still rejoice and give thanks and that I can be content, that, that God will know my needs and will provide for me what he sees fit and I can rest in that. And he's learning the joy of being content but he also in Philippians 4 points out that one of the ways that God supplies is through brothers and sisters. And so he says in Philippians 4.14, yet, so it's not just that I learned contentment, but yet it was kind of you to share my trouble. And you Philippians yourselves know that in the beginning of the gospel, when I left Macedonia, no church entered into partnership with me in giving and receiving except you only. Even in Thessalonica, you sent me help for my needs once and again. No church partnered with me in this matter of giving and receiving. And if you're seeing that word partnered there again, it is the verb form of the noun that's in verse one. So he's helping us understand when he talks of partnership in chapter one, I should say, verse five, that partnership he now explains in chapter four is 
you have continued to supply for my needs. When, when there was no one else, you have continued to be a partner. And so he's elaborating on one of the ways that the Philippians shared in gospel ministry was through financial support. Not, not only, this is not only about monetary support, because if you, you read the rest of the book of Philippians, you see in chapter one, they are, they are active in their own proclamation of the gospel. They are living out the gospel in the midst of their own suffering. And so they are partners in proclamation of the gospel. So the co- cooperation is not monetarily alone. But the reality is they were partners with Paul, and this is one of the senses that he has in mind when he speaks of partnership in the gospel. All right, one last verse in this section, verse 6. Philippians 1, verse 6. And I am sure of this, that he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion at the day of Jesus Christ. So you have the partnership of God's people in the gospel, bookended by praise for God and a promise from God. As the Philippians serve, as they sacrifice, as they give for the sake of the gospel, they also have this assurance that God is at work in this, that God is working through them, and that God is able to supply for them, that God is able to continue to do his work through them. This theme of believers called to obedience and serving and striving and sacrificing, coupled with God's grace and empowerment to do so, is something Paul builds on in the book of Philippians. In in Philippians 2, 12 and 13, he says, Therefore, my dear friends, just as you have always obeyed, so now, not only in my presence, but even more in my absence, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. You, believers, do what you know to be obedient to God. You strive after him, you serve, you sacrifice, verse 13, for it is God who is working in you both to will and to work according to his good purpose. You see the parallel with chapter one, verses five and six. You be partners, you do the work of ministry, you give, you serve, you obey, you strive after the things that God has called you to do in obedience. And so for the Philippians, their lives are changing. Their desires are changing. Their response to temptation is growing. And they are, they are a changed people who are becoming more and more like Christ. But at the same time, all that striving and growing and changing is being empowered by whom? God. It's the Spirit who's at work in them, who is carrying out and affecting God's will within them. And so strive, partner, serve, but know that you're not doing this on your own. And so you'll never be left on your own at the same time that God is at work in you and changing you through his spirit. He is working to bring about his good work in you all the way until the very end. He will not abandon you. He will continue to do this. And so the two are running in parallel motion, although the one is really empowering the other. We press on in obedience, striving to be servants and partners in the gospel of Jesus Christ, while God is working within us to change us from within, to give us the power and the grace to obey and to follow after him. So Philippians 1.6 then becomes this promise to believers. And again, it's, it's difficult, I think, sometimes for us to put ourselves in their shoes of those who are suffering in terms of being relegated to outcast, in terms of perhaps facing persecution, in terms of losing family relationships over Christ. They are enduring all sorts of hardships for this. And so verse six 
comes as this glorious promise that says, the one who brought you to faith in the first place is at work in you even in these circumstances. He is, he is continuing to change you and grow you, and he will not cease to do that work all the way until the day you stand before Jesus Christ, whether it's his return or your death. He will continue to carry this out. And so by God's grace and the partnership of the believers in Philippi, the gospel is spreading. But if you're the Philippians, and Paul has come, and you've known some of the stories of the adventures that Paul has experienced, and Paul has planted this church, and now he's left, and he's moved on to other places, and, and, and you're there, and you're stuck in this environment that's difficult and painful, and it, it might be tempting to feel like, we're not on the front lines like Paul is. We're not in the same sort of experience that Paul is having. And Paul is writing back and saying, listen, he who began a good work in you will be faithful to see it to completion. Have the assurance to know that your partnership in the gospel is part of God accomplishing his purposes even as he's transforming you. And so that assurance of verse 6 says to these young believers in Philippi that you don't have to worry that you could, you could possibly out-sacrifice God. You could possibly outgive God, that you could give to the point that suddenly you're left destitute because the one who is providing for you is, is the one who promises to be with you and carry his work in you to completion. And, and, and so when you get and see what we saw in 2 Corinthians 8 about these people begging to give generously out of extreme poverty, you see the assurance from Scripture that says, the God who saved you and who gloriously works through you is continuing and will continue with you. You can be generous and you can be sacrificial and you can give and serve and, and, and do that and you can do that until the day Jesus Christ returns and he will not leave you or forsake you. He will continue to work through you and accomplish his purposes. They had that assurance, and so do we, brothers and sisters, of a God who is faithful to see to completion his work. One of the, the great joys we experience as believers in Jesus Christ is our fellowship around Christ and his gospel. Coming together with all of the different range of skills and experiences and ages and seasons and backgrounds and all that are here at Grace Bible Church, we are able to come together to praise our great King and to experience His working through us and we fellowship in that work of the gospel and that purpose of proclaiming His good news, which means along with that, we rejoice with those who are rejoicing and we weep with those who are weeping and we, we serve our brothers and sisters and we come alongside and we pray together for one another and we pray for God to continue to do His work in and through us and we pray that God would use us in affecting our community. And through it all, we have this assurance. God is at work, not only building his church here in Lorton, but in accomplishing his will through the individual lives of his people. So this arise and shine commitment, to bring it back to that, that the elders have been asking you to pray about and to consider making this morning, is certainly for the greater partnership of the work of Grace Bible Church, the, the big picture is that 
long-term. This is something that we do with the hope and desire that God would continue to use this church for generations to come and that this would be a step that generations from now they'd look back on and go, well, that helped lay a great foundation. Praise the Lord for that. And so there's that, that sort of bigger picture. But this commitment is also part of God's work in you individually. It's also part of of God working on your faith and your willingness to to step out and and to strive to be obedient and to sacrifice. And, And what you are doing as individual believers is the outworking of God's will in your life. It is him bringing to bear his good work that he will bring to completion. I want, to see, I want you to see one more video testimony. We have been so blessed by those who have given testimonies and allowed us to record them. And I think this is just another good example of being partners together in the gospel and also having that assurance that the God who provides all that we have is the one who is faithful to see us through. church for the last uh, 11 years. Home groups for us have been an extension of the family of God here, a microcosm of the family of Grace Bible Church. We've gotten to host um, and Cole's got to lead that in that setting and uh, we've gotten to be served a lot by our own our own home group um, leading up to our uh, at the time five-year-old's surgery. I think she turned six the day before, yeah, the day before. our surgery and we were doing outside church at the time during COVID and uh, my you know, unbelieving parents were visiting and um, Doug was like, let's sing happy birthday to Cora before she has this, you know, giant abdominal surgery tomorrow. And the look on my dad's face, you know, which would usually be one of skepticism. I mean, I don't think you can stay skeptical when you see just the joy of uh, people just praying her through that and holding us up as we went through that. I think when you're in a season of trials, it's easy to believe that the Lord is distant, but when people keep showing up with meals and care and love, it's a lot harder to feel like the Lord is distant. So that's one of the ways that He just loved us in that season. We're really excited about the Arise and Shine campaign. I think first and foremost because you know God has called us as disciples to grow and make disciples, and so, um, We are witnessing a growing need for um, more room, more space to to minister to uh, the communities around us. I know that uh, there was a large number of families who wanted to be a part of Logass and we weren't able to just because we're busting at the seams. And given the excitement that we have, you know, with our own children just growing in this environment, we would love to be able to see more of the community be able to um, to benefit from that. Anything we do at Grace is not just to serve uh, our own members, but with the community in view. So if this is not just a for us thing to protect, it's something to invite people into in an ongoing way. Uh, I think of even the way that construction will make the presence of Grace Bible Church, like, what are they doing over there? And that curiosity will be able to say, you know, you're welcome. We literally are making space for you. As we look to this next season of Arise and Shine, uh, we're expectant for God to provide. Uh, We've been reading through the Old Testament. Uh, When they make it through the wilderness and Moses reminds them, see, God did not let your shoes wear out. Um, And I've been thinking about, you know, you kind of make your plan for the year, things that we need new windows, we need new this. 
Um, I'm just praying that God would make those things last longer and we'll feel um, that for whatever reason there's more available and um, even when we don't that we'll trust and obey. God is making it clear there is a need and he's already demonstrated in our lives that he is our provider and so if we are faithful and if we obey, I think we're going to see some really incredible things if we're willing to step out on faith because these things are difficult. I mean, they're not easy to achieve, but at the same time, God wants to do the impossible for us. and He wants us to see Him do it and then get Him glory again. So I'm excited to see that. how grateful I am for Pipkins, Moores, Webster's, Halls, Michelle, Ricardo, all for just taking time on a Sunday afternoon a couple months back to just share these testimonies and to say um, what I'll just repeat, and, and, and that is these are difficult things, and yet we have a God who revels in showing himself through these things. And I really think that what we experienced this morning and what we're going to experience in the weeks to come is to see God do the impossible, at least for us, impossible. Um, this morning, the elder team is asking all who already partner in the gospel with Grace Bible Church to join in a commitment that will enable us to do something more, to, to plan ahead, to prepare ahead, to, to build and, and to carry out a vision that will carry on to the next generation. And I, I hope that over these last six weeks, as I promised you six weeks ago, that this would not feel like six weeks of sales work, but that you would come away with this convinced of God's providence in the history of our church, convinced that, that there's a reason that God picked this little plot of land in the middle of Nowheresville at that point in 1985 and said, we're going to put a church here and gave us the, the privilege now of being able to be in the heart of a community and, and proclaim the gospel. And, and the fact that we have been sustained through all of that time. I was just talking this, this morning, we, we were talking to Vons and I were talking on the way in and just reflecting on different people they've talked to who preceded a lot of us. And, and Stacy, you can remember this too. I mean, going back to 30 people, 20 some people that were here. God sustained this place through difficult times by his grace. And we're all here this morning in two services with a school that's busting at the seams Monday through Friday. That's his, his good kindness in our lives. And we're getting to benefit from the fruit of that. Praise God that we get to be partners in the gospel with him. And so this vision is to think ahead and to expand in response to that. And so I'm gonna ask Kevin Jeans, he's gonna come up and he's gonna, in a moment here, play just some music in the background for us. Uh, I'm gonna stop talking here in a moment and, and just ask you to just pray for a few minutes that you would pray for God's hand on, on the, this commitment Sunday that, that, that what's provided this day would be according to the Lord's provision for us and, and pray for your own commitment here. Um, and then after we've prayed for a little bit, I'll come up and, and I'll ask the ushers to come and they're just gonna pass the plate. Um, you may have forgotten what passing a plate looks like. It's been a very long time. Um, but you just hand it to the next person, that's all. And you just um, preferably put a commitment card in it, if you would, and then hand it to the next person. But um, if, 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 whether you put a commitment card in or not, I'm asking you to pray about this. Um, and, and the commitment cards, as Bob mentioned, they're in the sermon notes or they're at the ends of the aisles in the seat backs in front of you. So we're just going to take some time to just pray 
and then we're going to do that. I have the joy of telling you that as of this morning, of a goal of two and a half million dollars over three years, so far what's been committed is $982,000 that God is providing through his people to partner in this work of ministry. And so we've said all along that this is an opportunity for us to, to give together, to partner together. Um, I'll add, as you fill out a card this morning, Here's, here's the, 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 the legal subtext. This is not a blood oath, and this is not a binding legal contract. So if you're afraid to put a card in because you think somebody's gonna show up because they're checking on your commitment, that's not gonna happen. Um, this, is, this is information for the elders to decide if we can go on to the next step, if we can proceed forward. And so this is you saying, I've prayed about this, I believe God's going to supply this through, our, through my life, through our family, and, and this is what I'm going to prayerfully ask God to supply, and that will help us have wisdom to know on how to proceed through this. If you've put in a card before and you wish to participate this morning, we invite that. You will not be double counted. Um, ah, second card, we'll just double this. No, we're not gonna do that. Um, so, but if you want to participate this morning, we certainly invite you to do that. Um, for now, I just would encourage you with the example of the young believers at Philippi, it was not meant to be just an isolated story that we look back to in history. It was meant, in fact, as Paul used it, even in the lives of the believers in Corinth to say, look, I desire to scatter seed through my people. And I, I provide for you for this great purpose, that you would then advance this gospel, that you would proclaim my glory. And sometimes you're going to have to step out in faith. And you're going to have to trust me for the provision. Sometimes it's going to seem like a sacrifice, but that's good because I am the God who marvels in that and revels in, in, in accomplishing that work through you if you will do that. So we'll take a moment and pray quietly as Kevin plays, and then the, the plates will be passed, and then we'll, we'll pray and sing together and rejoice. Okay? Thank you. Thank you to all who made a commitment in Arise and Shine. Thank you to all of you who have been praying for this over these last few weeks. Thank you for all of you who are still praying about what God would have you do. I'm, I'm, thank you. Thank you very much. Um, today is the end of the sermon series in this, but it's the beginning of a new phase. We're asking that come Sunday, June 4th, that um, that would be sort of the starting point of, if you haven't already, and you're, you're welcome to do so online, but if you haven't already by June 4th to begin to give, um, toward those commitments. If you're still thinking about this and still praying about it, um, we're thankful for that. Um, you can go online at the gbclorton.com slash arise and shine and, and the commitment card digital version of it is there as well. So that's something you can do as well from home. Uh, I'm gonna pray. So if you would stand, let's pray and then we'll sing together and rejoice at God's good work. Lord Jesus, help us in all that we do as a body of believers meeting here in Lorton at Grace Bible Church. Help us in all that we do to keep you as central as the focus, as the reason for what we do, as the reason that we give, serve, pray, sacrifice. Lord, we want to see you exalted. We want to see people drawn to see you as glorious and as savior of sinners, as the one who rescues those who are lost and dead in sin. We want to see you exalted as the head of the church, as the one who is building his church and is accomplishing all things for his purpose. And Lord Jesus, we want to come before you giving thanks that all that is done through this 
campaign is a reflection of you doing immeasurably more than all we would ask or think according to your power at work in us. And so we give you praise. Lord, I pray this morning, if there's anyone that's been listening to this and does not know you, Jesus, as Savior, I pray that they would not be confused by anything that's been said or done here. This is not about um, money or a building program, Lord, that, that, that we, we pray that those are good tools that you would help us to use well as stewards, but ultimately, they must trust in you. Their hope is only found in your life and death and resurrection, and so I pray, Lord, that even today, what we've talked about as being central, that you would take your gospel and bring it to bear on the lives of any who are separated from you, who do not know you, and that this morning they would come to know that there is a Savior who died on the cross to take the sins of individuals and their punishment, the wrath that they deserved from God, and to take that punishment in order to provide forgiveness and rescue and life by your grace for all who will trust in you. Help us with that glorious message, that great good news, to be faithful stewards to proclaim it. Lord, regardless of what your plan is for us in terms of a building, may we be faithful to those truths. We ask it all in Jesus' name. Amen.